Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 116 of Crunch Time with the N326 duo. I'm your host, Sam Gatsy, and with me today, as always, is Tanner Dizzlin. Tanner, how are you doing tonight? Sam, I am doing great. We just had an awesome weekend of football. The divisional round is awesome. I know we, you know, we look at the NFL playoffs as a whole. And everybody talks how great they are, and namely the Super Bowl and the championship weekend. Not enough love goes to the divisional round. There's four games. They're all awesome. A um, lot of good matchups. Remember the Bills-Chiefs, obviously, yesterday. The Bills-Chiefs was a was an instant classic. Bills-Chiefs a few years ago, the classic, the infamous 13 seconds. That was a divisional weekend game. They always deliver. Um, so I'm doing great, man. We had an awesome week of football. Can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. What? complete opposite of last week we're gonna have a rather short episode not much going on we're gonna be focusing on those divisional rounds um and mainly focusing on that in a couple weeks once uh once we kind of hit that in between period of when the nfl ends and college basketball that's when we'll start to transition into more basketball talk uh so just having that on your radar but tanner Let's start off as we always do with winners and losers. Who is your winner? Yeah, so my winner of the episode is going to be homecomings because we got a big one, especially for those uh, who are in the state of Iowa and Iowa football fans. Five-star offensive tackle Caden Proctor. Of course, he was in all over the headlines um, last year when he was the number one uh, number one offensive lineman in the country number one player out of Iowa. He was, I mean, an absolute stud, Camus prospect. He was committed to Iowa for the longest time. And the day before signing day, flipped his commitment to Bama. Um, the other day, he announced he was in the transfer portal and immediately a few days after announced he was coming back to Iowa and recommitting to play for Coach Ferentz and the Hawkeyes. Absolutely huge get. How many times did we talk throughout the year? The offensive line needs work. The offensive line sucks. This is a huge step in the right direction. Not only a absolute stud of a talent and an athletic freak, but someone who played under Nick Saban for a year, right? I mean, that's invaluable, um, invaluable coaching that he got and experience he got. So coming back and blocking against Northwestern should be a should be a cakewalk for him, right? You'd think. Uh, so that's a huge get, huge get for Iowa. And listening to Proctor talk, actually, it's really interesting uh, in his decision to come back to Iowa. Uh, he said no bridges were burned. He was he was really pleased with how Iowa took it because a lot of people uh, could have gone in, bashed him for his decision. That would be me. I bashed him <laughs> for his decision. I called it. I stand up. <laughs> that was me. Thank God I'm not a uh, a recruiter or anything because that bridge would have not been burned. It would have been nuked. But Iowa, obviously, in their player relations and their player development, a little bit smarter than I am with player relationships yeah. and. Uh, yeah, knew knew that it was a chance that he would come back, and sure enough, it it paid off. So, huge huge shout out to the Iowa coaching staff. Obviously, we crucify them, we crucify them, we crucify them. This deserves some flowers. Maintaining those relationships uh, ends up with a big, big prospect, big talent for Iowa that will make an immediate impact. So, this is awesome. Great for Iowa football. Uh, still more work to do, obviously, uh, but maybe this uh, this is one step in making sure that Caden McNamara won't suffer his third knee injury uh, in a row. So. Big yeah. Time yeah, absolutely huge. Uh, we uh, we've obviously had to had talked about how this off season it wasn't going as well as we thought it would. Obviously, still have an opening at that OC position. Um, we talked about that last week, but the, like you said, Taryn, this is a huge get for a weak offensive line. We saw them struggle tremendously last year. Getting a guy who I'm pretty sure was all SEC uh, at his possession as well. Um, I mean, SEC. It's all all freshman team. I all freshmen yeah. for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, huge get uh, something to build around of the offense. But like you said, we hate on this, but you got to show love when love is due. For my loser, I'm going to stay in the offensive line room. I'm going to go with America's sweetheart, the sexiest man out there, 
Jason Kelsey put on an absolute clinic uh, in Buffalo. Obviously, wasn't playing, but supporting his brother, Travis, and he was box office. Uh, There were videos online of him pre-gaming with Bills fans, uh, basically becoming the number one man for Bills Mafia, um, which is kind of weird. Got to admit, uh, having your brother be on the Chiefs. He was wearing and, a Chiefs hat the whole time. Like, you got to respect it. I mean, I feel like he is the most likable guy in the NFL. I don't think many people would argue that. Um, but and then so he he's already buzzing before the before the um, kickoff. Travis Kelsey obviously scores. Uh, he's shirtless, chugging beers, and he actually goes into the crowd. Uh, hangs out with uh, Bill's Mafia. Actually, saw a sign of a little girl that said she wanted to meet Taylor Swift. So he she, uh, he brought her to like where he got out of the box and like introduced her, which is super cool. Um, so yeah, shout shout out Jason Kelsey. Always been a big fan of his. That's just hilarious. Something about a big, just a huge, big bearded, hairy dude, shirtless in freezing cold weather. Ripping brewskis, yelling, screaming, yep. jumping out of the out of the box. He's a man of the people. He doesn't want he doesn't want to be in that snooty box. He wants to be down, drinking, screaming, yeah. yelling with the people. So I mean, it was I was yeah. I mean, yeah, man of the people. That's all. Man that's, of that's people. the only thing I could shout out Jason Kelsey. Freaking hilarious. Sure. Let's look on the other side. Thanks here. Who is your loser? Yeah, you know my loser. Now this is a loser depending on who you ask. Most people would say this is a loser. However, we would say it's a big-time winner, uh, but most people say it's a loser, so it's fall under the loser category, but it is newsworthy. The reason we would say it's a winner is because it got you Saturday off. However, yeah. for most yeah. people, TCU women's basketball, yeah. uh, they had to forfeit multiple games in a row due to not having enough players to dress. That's um, crazy. Not great. Uh, however, the team has announced that they picked up three players um, from their open tryout they had. There you go. Three players made the team. They have they are resuming play tomorrow, which is Tuesday. So Tuesday the 23rd, they're resuming play against UCF. Uh, but against Kansas State and against Iowa State, those two games had to be postponed because they could not meet the minimum number of players to dress. So that's a little bit of a tough look for TCU women's basketball. I know one of the Cavender twins is there, or she will be there, and yeah. is sitting out from a transfer. I'm not entirely sure this situation, but, um, yeah, not great, I feel. Yeah, like. that that was a wild situation. Um, I know, like, there was multiple players with, like, severe injuries, obviously couldn't even play, but, like, We've seen team. I obviously the most recent one that comes to my mind is um when Alabama had Colin Sexton and they played three on five. Yeah, yep. Uh, that obviously, but to just not even have five people, like you can run five, and there's a way to work around not having a bench, but just not even playing. That's that's gotta be brutal pill to swallow. Yeah, I wonder if it's like, is there an NCAA rule? Because I know I know in that in that specific Alabama game that like they all got ejected, yeah. you know. So from coming off the bench in a fight, mm-hmm. so I wonder if there's some rule where you, you just can't start a game unless they have X amount of people that can play. Uh, wouldn't shock me if there is. Don't know, uh, but still, yeah, yeah sure. like like how have you how did you not have open tryouts sooner? How did you not have walk on? Yeah, how did you not have you know red shirts like anybody who can play. Uh, it seems a you know a little odd uh, to me, but yeah, I mean they're back playing though, so they figured it out, and it got you a Saturday off. Yeah, so I, I'm not I'm not too mad about it to be honest with you, Tanner. Um, but yeah, definitely a very weird, um, weird coincidence. Um, so this is obviously not official but it you have to begin the game with five players um but if it has no substitutes for replace a disqualified or injured player 
it can continue with fewer than five. That was the Alabama. When there is only one player participating for a team, they shall forfeit. So if it's like five on one, yeah. So you You at least have to have two, which is, that's just crazy. I can't imagine. But hold on real quick before we move on. I just want to say, this is a little bit of a tangent, but we mentioned that that Alabama game with Colin Sexton three on five and they won doesn't get talked about. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. He went absolutely crazy. Yeah. They Alabama had to play a basketball game. I think originally it was four on five and someone fouled out. So it went yeah. down. They finished the game three on five and they won by five over Minnesota. If, if you don't, if you don't remember it or haven't heard of it, just look up Alabama, Minnesota three on five. Yeah. You'll see it. Crazy stuff. Anyway, just, ha- just had to throw no, that out for there sure. because. It absolutely does not get talked about enough. For sure. For my loser, we're going to stay in the Big 12 on the hardwood. And let me just do this. That's for you, Rodney Terry. If you haven't heard of this story, um, wake up. Uh, Texas head coach Rodney Terry got upset um, a couple days ago against UCF when seems like everyone was getting upset last week, I believe. Um, and UCF was doing the horns down, as everyone does, uh, when they beat Texas. And in a post-conference, post-press uh, conference, he argued with, or no, post-game post, uh, handshake Handshakes. line, yep. he started pointing and yelling at UCF players for doing the horns down. Again, not the first time, and sure as hell won't be the last, and then later on, he goes on to say about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that because when you do those kinds of things, it looks classless. He dropped the C word, baby. Classless. Gotta love it. Wow. He's been at Texas for multiple years now. I think this is second year. Um. I'm sure some student who's taking calculus two gets the horns down thrown yeah. at them when they're talking to their, but probably talk to their grandpa about going to school in Texas. And I'm sure Gramps hits them with the horns down. Yeah. That's how common <laughs> this thing is. Yeah. You have athletes that are dealing with like incredibly aggressive fans. A lot of the time, racial slurs, a mm-hmm. lot of the time, curses, death threats, threats at family. And of all the things you're going to get triggered at and all the things you're going to freak out about, it is someone doing your your famous horn signal and just doing it upside down. Horn you don't down. want people to do that? Win the damn game. Win. Win, Win. the damn game. Not only I, that. I, I, I cannot yeah. believe that an actual grown human being, grown man, a leader of a program, gets that pressed after a team upsets you and decides to do your hand your hand motion upside down. I, I still yeah. I cannot fathom it. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, and to top it off, he, he did say that, but a couple days later, so at, in that press conference, he said, we don't jump up and down and act like we won a national championship. Well, a couple days ago, upset Baylor. And Terry, you would not believe who was jumping up and down like they just won a national championship. Look, of everything that you just said, like obviously the horns down, ridiculous. It's childish to get upset over hand motion. That one legitimately pisses me off. Yeah. Guess what? When you give your whole life to play a sport, you give your whole life to play a sport at the highest level in college basketball, to earn an education for free. You earned the right to play for that school and earn that education. There's a lot of pride that you take when you go out and you lace up your shoes and play basketball on the biggest stage in college basketball. Believe it or not, you're allowed to celebrate when you win a goddamn basketball game, especially one you weren't supposed to. That boils my blood the fact that after he gets upset he's just like well they were celebrating like uh, like like they won a championship are you kidding me 
Yeah. Are you actually kidding me? Insane stuff to hear from a Division One college basketball coach and a Division One college basketball coach who was in the Elite Eight a year ago. Mm-hmm. Unreal. It pisses me off. Yeah. And it's just going to get worse. You're going into SEC, probably the most hostile conference in all of sports. I mean, we've seen Lane Kiffin, obviously different sports, but still still matters. We've seen Lane Kiffin get pelted with golf balls and mustard balls. We've seen uh, people make fun of the Arkansas hog call. We've seen Hottie Toddy get made fun of. We've We've seen it all for every single team. Every single game, Alabama sings a song where they say F three different schools. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's going to be, if that is bothering you as Texas fans, they got another thing coming. Yeah. And let alone celebrating a win. Because, yeah, let me tell you what. When you beat Tennessee in Tennessee, you might show a little emotion. Yeah. When you beat Arkansas in Arkansas, when you beat Kentucky in Kentucky, it's going to show a little emotion. When they beat you, they are going to, too. It's uh-huh. sports. It should mean something. Yeah, exactly. But let's move on to this past weekend, Tanner. NFL Divisional Round kicked off Saturday afternoon with the Ravens defeating the Texans, the Red Hot Texans. Uh, America's team, it seemed like no one expected them to be there. Unfortunately, their season ended with a loss 34 to 10. Give me your thoughts on the Ravens' performance on Saturday. I mean, dominant, right? It's it, they were they showed they showed up and played the way we expected them to play. But to me, this game is all about one unit and one unit only, and that is the Baltimore Ravens defense. Holy crap. I was told, I mean, I I thought slash I was told the Browns defense was good. I expected them to play a good game last week. Texans ran all over that Browns defense. I mean, yards after catch, soft coverage. I mean, it was scored, what, 45 points? They were absolutely stymied by these these, uh, Baltimore Ravens. Ten points, and the lone touchdown for Houston was a punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. C.J. Stroud, the rookie phenom who was slinging the damn ball a week ago, 175 yards through the air, 19 for 33. Devin Singletary only had 22 yards rushing. They absolutely couldn't do anything. Masterful performance from the uh, from the Ravens' defense. And then their offense just – I mean, it took them a little while to get going. 17 of their 34 came in the fourth quarter. So it took them a while to get going, of course. They rested their starters in week 17, had the bye, rest versus rust. Maybe needed to get some of the rust off, but uh, when their defense was playing the way it was, I'm not sure they really needed anything from their offense to win this game. They got it late and ended up with a 24-point dominant victory, but, man, I can't talk enough about that Ravens defense, man. Yeah, the the Ravens defense looked phenomenal, like you said, Tanner. C.J. Stroud was slinging the damn thing. Had a, The Texans as a team had 400 yards, a lot of that coming from C.J. Stroud. Um, but this was a, the definition of uh, complimentary football. I mean, yeah, we saw the Ravens uh, offense kind of get off to that slow start, like you said, but Lamar Jackson putting up the MVP numbers we've seen all year. 16 for 22, 152 yards, two touchdowns, adding 11 carries worth 100 yards, two touchdowns, four touchdowns from uh, what looks to be the MVP of this league. Yeah. This, this to me, is like it's like a measuring stick game for, for people who don't know ball. Because I think a lot of people will look at this and be like, wow, only 152 yards passing? Like, he didn't impress at all. He was great in this game. Yeah. He was. He was great. Um, of course, a hundred yards on the ground, uh, helps when you, you know, when you throw for one, one fifty-two. but two touchdowns through the air, a hundred on the ground, he averaged nine yards a carry. And then in that running game, justice Hill and Gus Edwards each averaged four and five yards a carry. So they were running the ball. Well, their defense was absolutely, again, absolutely all over Houston. He did what he needed to do and he did it very well. So. Yeah, Lamar was great. Running game was great. Defense was great. 
maybe tighten up special teams. Don't let up a, a, a punt return for a touchdown. But yeah, I mean, it, Lamar was great. And also, one more thing to talk about here: the crowd. The yeah. crowd was electric. I, I I don't know when when I think about the most electric atmospheres in the NFL. I can't say the Ravens are first to come to mind. Maybe they should be though, because it it was one of the best of the playoffs. The uh, the uh, Texans had 11 total penalty penalties. I want to say eight of them were pre-snap. Eight of them were either offsides or false starts or uh, delay games because no one could hear anything because of that crowd. So shout out the crowd to all around dominance. Yeah, um, absolutely dominating performance uh, from the Ravens. So that kicked off this divisional round. Kind of a kind of a slow game in the fir- first uh, game on Saturday, but we got to Saturday night. The battle between the 49ers and the Packers. Could Jordan Love get over the hump? Aaron Rodgers seemed to never be able to. Unfortunately, it didn't go his way. 49ers, or fortunately for some people, 49ers win this one 24 to 21. A lot closer than a lot of people expected, me and I believe you included. But give me your overall thoughts on this one. Well, first off, you know, I, I am in the group who's, you know, whose Super Bowl is when the Packers lose in the playoffs. Um, this was like chef's kiss, right? I would have preferred they lost the Cowboys. Obviously, I think you would agree. Um, I would prefer they lost to the Cowboys. But if that combined with having the 49ers on the ropes for three quarters in this mm-hmm. game was enough to get Packers fans hopes up just enough to be absolutely crushed. It was worth it tenfold. If they lost that game to the, to the Cowboys, no one would have cared. They would have been like, Oh man, what a fun season. Yeah. They care now because of how this went. And it was absolutely magnificent, but actually talking about the game here, uh, of course, where we always start, we got to start with the quarterbacks. Simply put, I thought neither quarterback was impressive today. No, uh, I, I I didn't at all. Uh, starting with you know, starting with the we'll start with the winner, uh, Brock Purdy. I mean, I saw some people with with takes that Brock Purdy is him. That Brock Purdy, uh, you know, they said he couldn't lead a drive to win the game, and he silenced them. Uh, I think this was a this was a tweet from Nick Wright. He said. If that's your takeaway from the game, I seriously question your ability to watch and understand. Yeah. Because he was terrible today. Multiple wide open receivers missed. Multiple interceptable balls dropped. I remember talking, we were watching the game with Keegan, former co-host, Packer fan, saying the difference in this game was Jordan Love threw two interceptable balls. They both got caught. Brock Purdy threw two or even three interceptable balls. Yeah. And that is huge. Like he He lived to fight another day, which – obviously is a little bit lucky uh he did lead a drive to win the game at the end of the game so that deserves some flowers um he leaned heavily on his running game in that drive but still he made a couple couple big time throws uh but simply put neither quarterback was impressive looking at jordan love i mean it was an absolute disaster class of a fourth quarter from jordan love yeah two critical interceptions one of them and and kind of both his fault uh one uh, um a wide open guy underneath rushed it way overthrew him and behind him tipped up and intercepted a good pass that's that's probably a first down then of course the other one as the game was uh running out the brett Favre throw across his body rolling to his right tuck it and run he probably would have gotten a first down we all know that so i won't harp too much on it but those are two big time mistakes from jordan love and it absolutely cost the packers in this game um, and then of course the third thing to talk about is the kicking, because yeah, one thing's for clear, or one thing's for certain. Kickers are just just as important as anything else in the playoffs, man. Because two teams are really feeling it today because of their lack of kicking. But those are kind of my initial thoughts. Uh, anything come to mind for you here? Yeah, I mean, I think. The story surrounding Brock Purdy all this season turned out to be true in this one. You take one of one of his weapons away, that being Debo Samuel. 
He oh, forgot about that. Yeah. He looks like a very, very, very bottom average quarterback. Um, he looked awful. Um, but fortunately, you still have George Kittle and uh, Christian McCaffrey. But like he said, Tanner, um, 49ers capitalized on the Packers' mistakes, and that's really why they won this game. Yeah. And furthermore, just a little bit more. I mean, the two stars of this game, for me, pretty easily, the two running backs, right? Christian McCaffrey and Aaron Jones were great in this game. In a game where there's bad weather, and the two running backs are the stars of the game. Why are the two quarterbacks combining for 73 pass, pass mm-hmm. attempts? Both coaches completely got away from the run, and I don't understand why at all. I don't get it. Yeah. Especially when Purdy, you have that you have that you have that drop back where Purdy's trying to get a grip on the football mm-hmm. mid drop back. You don't need a grip if you just turn it and you hand it to your running back. I w- I will say with that we saw a lot of screens to McCaffrey, so it's extended a, run it's game. It's a little better, but I totally agree with you, Dan. Yeah. Um, questionable play calling on both sides when it came to the weather and how the running backs were performing. Yeah. So, I mean, all, all of that wrapped up. Uh, the statement is, I mean, the better overall football team won. Obviously, the 49ers are a better football team than the Packers. The better team that day did not win. Yeah, the Packers, absolutely. The Packers were the better team that day. The Packers controlled this game for three quarters, and they should have won. And uh, a little bit more conservative play calling, i.e. running the ball with your running back who uh, had 108 yards and averaged six yards to carry a little bit more, that would have helped. And also has fresh legs, by the way, because he was hurt yeah. earlier in the year. So not a lot of wear and tear on those legs, but a little more conservative play calling. Some more accurate passes, better decision making from Jordan Love. They probably win this game. Yeah, abs- and absolutely, and all that is, uh, and even with everything that we're talking about, a, a made field goal by Anders Carlson, uh, we're talking about a seven point game. Of course, San Francisco still could have, yeah, um, still could have driven down and, and tied it at twenty four. Then, however, then the the drive by uh, Jordan Love. After the touchdown by San Francisco would look a little different uh, in a tie game versus when they're down, a little less desperate. Maybe he doesn't make that throw, and Green Bay can get a get a field goal at the end of the game. So obviously, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Um, San Francisco needs to tighten up. They need yeah. to tighten up big time. They need to get healthy. Obviously, Debo Samuel's health in question. Whole different quarterback. Whole different offense without Debo Samuel. Forty Nine ers need to tighten up. Packers kicking yourself after this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, big loss. Uh, so I don't know if you have been paying attention to the NBA tonight, but the 76ers just went final against the Spurs, 133 to 123. 76ers won. Joel Embiid had 70 points tonight. <laughs> oh, sure. 70 points, uh, 18 rebounds, five assists. Um, shot. In 37 minutes, shot 24 for 41 and 21 for 23 from free throw. Only have one three. 23 free throws. Huh? Free throw attempts. Yeah. Crazy. But still. 70 points. Yeah, 70 points. Off of that's one game. and only one three. That's crazy. So wanted to shout that out real quick. But let's return to football. Probably the best atmosphere. We talked about how electric Baltimore was, but Detroit took it to a whole nother level, played kind of a big part in this one, Tanner. The Lions win 31 to 23 over the Bucks. This one was fun, Tanner. Not a lot of people expected the Lions and the Bucks to be in this position, but the Lions are moving on. What were your thoughts on this one? Oh boy. I mean, Jared Goff, take a lap, my friend. Yeah. Take an absolute lap. Uh, you deserve all of it, all of it. Uh, you're, you're playing out of your mind. Um, multiple big throws out of golf time after time when they needed it most, he stepped up and made a big time throw. The one that comes to mind is the, uh, the third and 15 where the actual throw is a throw to Amon Ross St. Brown to which he of course dragged two defenders uh, over the line for the first down. But 
it was an absolute seed from Jared Goff. It, it, it was a duck, but it was somehow still a seed. Yeah. yeah. Like his arm talent is crazy. How he can throw, even when he doesn't have the best spiral on the ball, he can still throw it faster than most quarterbacks uh, can and do so on an absolute tightrope, even though the thing is wobbling. Um, but he was awesome. And of course, everyone who questioned it, I did too. Not great positional value drafting a running back in the first round, especially in the top half of the first round. But Jameer Gibbs is unbelievable with the football in his hand. He had 74 yards on the ground and only nine carries. That's over eight yards a carry. And he also does it in the passing game too. Ten yards per reception in the passing game. Uh, I think he's an absolute weapon. They have weapons on weapons on weapons and all young weapons. Gibbs, Laporta, St. Brown. It's just a damn good football team. And we also got a shout-out who I think was the best player on the field in this game, and that's Hene Sewell. The dude was unbelievable. He was like – their run game is so complex with the way they move their tackles. Hene Sewell was pulling all over the place. He was lead blockers on screens, on stretches. Like, he he pulled all the way – the left tackle pulled all the way to the right side and was a lead – lead blocker on a stretch play uh like that kind of kind of movement and athleticism and speed from a tackle is unheard of he was unbelievable in this game helped of course jameer gibbs get those eight yards of carry but got a shout out penny sewell got a shout out jameer gibbs and of course jared goff um they got to go to san fran definitely uh, would have wouldn't have been uh, the worst thing if they hosted a, a, a nfc championship game that would have been awesome but nope, they got to go to San Francisco. This game should be a lot of fun. Uh, but th- those young playmakers for for Detroit, man, they are special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking on the other side of things, Baker had a tough game. Uh, he proved a lot of people wrong this season, in my opinion. Uh, no one Including expected us. him to be the guy for Tampa. It seemed like he was just going to be kind of a place filler as we've kind of seen him uh, the past couple years, but had those two big interceptions, obviously one to seal the game for the lions, but two costly mistakes by Baker ended up having a huge impact on this one. Yeah, for sure. Although I, I, I will, the, the, you know, the last interception, a little bit of a force. You're trying to make a play. I get it. First interception. Not sure that was entirely his fault. Jump, uh, off of uh, Mike Evans' hands. Got a shout-out also Mike Evans. This dude can flat-out ball. 147 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> like, the dude is unbelievably good at football. Yeah. And he has been for so long. Um, But, yeah, Baker, again, not, it's still not his best game. He still kind of lit it up in the, in, the, in the stats, in the stat book here. 349 yards, three touchdowns. Of course, those two interceptions, like we said, but. Uh, shout out Baker, man. What an absolute bounce back season for, for him. We'll, we'll touch a little bit later. Obviously we did not have him being this good. We didn't have the bucks being this good, um, but stuff to build on for, for Tampa Bay for sure. So great season for them, but, but this day belonged to Detroit. Now I do want to ask a question because the internet seems to be uh, talking about a decision made by Todd Bowles. The Buccaneers were down 14 in the fourth quarter. And after scoring a touchdown, they went for two. Is that something you would do? Down 14 in the fourth quarter. You score a touchdown. Are you going for two? No. I'm taking the points. I Because you, you put yourself in a position to be down by seven. If you score... I'm I think that's a place I'd rather go for to just go for the win. But there there wasn't really a huge advantage to going for two in that situation. Like you didn't really change anything other than I don't know. It it's definitely it, interesting. I uh, definitely wouldn't have made that call. It's the it's the analytic play to go for two. Um now are you are you like completely shocked he did because i personally i i think i agree with it 
Um, the, 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 the rationale behind it in that if you get it, then just a touchdown, an extra point wins the game. And if you don't get it, then you can just go for two again. And odds are that you'll get one of the two two point attempts and that risk of getting odds are, you know, the risk of not getting either of them is worth potentially being able to win yeah. via a, an extra point after the second one. Um, but I, I am, I'm, I, I get it. If, if you don't agree with it, if you're just like, you know what, give me the extra point. Um, give me the extra point. Let, let me take this to overtime. I, I, I get it. I totally get it. People saying that it's an absolutely ridiculous move and that they can't believe he did it, went for it, and you know all this stuff that he should be fired over it. I that I don't get. That I don't get at all. But yeah. I just wanted to get your thoughts about that because it was it was a topic of conversation. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting question. So the Lions move on to face the 49ers while. On Sunday night, we waited who the Ravens were going to take on in the ASC championship. And shocking, no one, the team, everyone was like, oh, it's not their year, not their year. Make it to the ASC championship. Of course, that being the Kansas City Chiefs going into the hostile Buffalo Bills and winning by 327-220. For Tanner, kind of a shocking result in this one. Like I said, nobody really expected the Chiefs to end up here the way their season started. Seemed the Bills were hanging in the right direction towards the end of the season. But yet again, we see the Chiefs come up on top of the Bills. What were your thoughts? Yeah, this is this is crazy because I, I at one point during the year, I considered both of these teams dead. Done. DOA, dead on arrival, killed, murdered. Uh, the Chiefs, after they lost on Christmas Day, when they had back-to-back um, turnovers, return for touchdowns on back-to-back plays, when Aiden O'Connell did not throw a single pass since the first quarter, and they won the game over the Chiefs in Kansas City, I considered them dead. Once the Bills lost a Monday night game at home to the Broncos, I considered them dead. Here we are, right? And first off, in this game, we saw elite quarterback play. Uh, The numbers might not show it, but those who watched it saw it. These two quarterbacks are really freaking good at football. They are really freaking good at football. And... This is what it takes to win in the AFC is elite quarterback play. And the Chiefs just had a little bit more. And Isaiah Pacheco was a big-time star in this game, 97 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, of course, two touchdowns himself, 75 through the air. Um, it's just – it was it was an all-time, all-time playoff game. It was so fun to watch. And another just – all-time collapse by the Bills in this game because, again, a a back-and-forth game. The Bills had leads, choked leads. They had a 44-yard field goal to tie the game and potentially send it to overtime. Granted, Mahomes would have gotten the ball back with over a minute left in the game. If he can do it with 13 seconds, he could probably do it with over a minute left. But still, the kick goes wide right, uh, so... That kind of uh, killed any chance of the Bills for a comeback in this game, but I it was just so fun to watch. It was so fun to watch top to bottom on the Bills side of things. If the Bills are to beat the Baltimore Ravens, one person needs to get going, and his name is Stephon Diggs. I don't know what has happened to Stephon Stephon Diggs over these past few weeks, uh, but he has gone MIA. He in this game, he was targeted, or he had three catches for twenty one yards. He was targeted a lot more than that. There was an absolute bomb of a throw by Josh Allen with 63 yards in the air, landed right in the bread basket to Stephon Diggs. He dropped it. Uh, I saw a stat today on Twitter that uh, Khalil Shakir of the Bills has three less, 
three less. He's three less or three more yards receiving in like the past six weeks than Stephon Diggs, and Stephon Diggs has over double the amount of targets. Yeah. That's not good. That ain't good at all. Yeah, I mean, definitely the lack of production targets to Stephon Diggs is questionable. Um, But really, this came down to two plays, Tanner. One being probably the worst fake punt of all time on fourth and short. You have a one of the best and most aggressive running quarterbacks um, on fourth and short. You don't lose him, use him, excuse me. Instead, you go with a direct snap to DeMar Hamlin, who has had very, very little playing time and fooled absolutely nobody on the Chiefs. And then that made the Chiefs to get uh, within touchdown distance. And the Chiefs gave you a golden opportunity with McCole Hardman's fumble uh, getting a touchback for the Bills, having an opportunity to still go down and score with just eight minutes left. And it just... It just didn't work uh, the way the Bills wanted it to. Uh, Bills go into field goal position. Allen couldn't keep the drive going. Missed opportunity on second down for a touchdown pass. And then that led to the demise of Tyler Bass missing one. Yeah, and on on that third down play, it is definitely worth noting. I think it was a third and eight. He took the deep shot into the end zone. Stephon Diggs was open. He was a little crosser underneath. He would have. It only would have been like a four-yard pass, but he had an unbelievable amount of green uh, space in front of him. Would have ran for the first down incredibly easily. He decided to take the shot to the end zone, missed, and obviously led to the missed field goal. So missed opportunities all over the place for the Bills, which, again, just add it to the list of, of, of Bills, uh, Bills postseason collapses and uh, something – Something I can totally relate to. Yeah. The so we have our conference championship. Chiefs versus Ravens, Lions versus 49ers. Tanner, who do you expect to come out of these two games and who you got winning it all? Dude, it has been an absolute collision course all year long. I hate doing it. I gotta do it. It's gonna be the one seeds, man. I think uh I think it's going to be 49ers Ravens in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Ravens right now, they have, I mean, we've only seen one one playoff game uh, from them, but they just completely obliterated a team that was high flying, high flying on all cylinders. Their offense didn't even really need to kick it in high gear. And their offense can absolutely kick it in high gear when they need to. So I'm, I'm going with the Ravens and, and, and the 49ers, man, I, I think – the, the, the health of, of Debo Samuel is, is very questionable. Uh, I think uh, he's going to need to get healthy. Um, the, the play of Brock Purdy was a little bit questionable against the Packers. Uh, but the Lions, they've been a great story. They've looked great. I think things are different when they're not at home. When Jared Goff is not in a dome, he is a significantly different quarterback. And I think the San Francisco defense will show up in that game and kind of handle things. So I'm going to go. San Francisco, Baltimore in the Super Bowl, and I'm going with the team that won the first matchup and the team that is looking like the best team in the NFL and has really has been ever since that game, and that's the Ravens, dude. This defense is absolutely for real, and like I said, their offense didn't even need to kick it in high gear, and they beat the living crap out of a team that beat the living crap out of the number, like the top five defense in the NFL. So give me the Ravens, man. They look so scary right now. Yeah, that that's definitely an interesting pick. I think whoever comes out of that AFC is gonna win it all. For me, I'm going with Patty Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL has been all year. Even though some people didn't believe at the beginning, including myself. Um, so I got the Chiefs. I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a shootout. I think. It's just going to be a great game. Probably game of the year, in my opinion, uh, if all goes according to plan. Uh, Then on the NFC side, 
as much as I want to take the Lions, I think Brock Purdy gets just enough done uh, with his loaded offensive weapons and that defense behind him. I think they move on. And so I got the Chiefs versus 49ers. The NFL script has had the Chiefs ever since Travis Kelsey had uh, started dating Taylor Swift. Give me the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Proposal during the celebration? Jesus, I hope not. Lord, help us all. (laughs) Yeah, Lord, help us all. But that is kind of our predictions as we go into this weekend. Tanner, shall shall we take a step back and go into what we've talked about in the past? I don't really want to get old takes exposed. All the way back on week one, we did a little excitement and panic meter. So for excitement will start out where we started uh five i had green bay a lot of expectations uh were kind of low on the packers and they uh turned out starting playing well for the sixth spot you had the packers i had the dolphins um seven you had the browns and 49ers eight i had the uh, 49ers and Lions. Nine, you had the um, Lions and the Cowboys. I had the Browns. And then 10, the Cowboys and the Dolphins. Yeah, you know, looking at this, a few things stand out. I mean, on on my – one of the takes I had, the Dolphins being a 10, uh, that, that was bad. I mean, they just completely crumbled at the end of the year. It was – I'm telling you, you know who killed them. Will Levis killed them. That Tennessee game murdered the Dolphins. They were up 14 with like six minutes left and completely lost it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but that one was not so great. Uh, both of us, the, the, the Cowboys, you had a 10, I had a 9. And if you showed me this before the playoffs, I probably would have had them a 10. Like, I was yeah. super excited for this team to play in the playoffs. And obviously, they came out with a stinker, which which sucked. Um, somehow I was only a seven for the 49ers. I don't remember if that was just because I thought they were going to be great and mm-hmm. they are, they were great. So maybe it was, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, man, I think, I think we did a pretty good job on this. Yeah. Um, you were a little bit, you were a little bit smarter on the dolphins. Than I yes. Was. Uh, looking on the other side of things, a panic meter at one, we had the chiefs kind of nailed that, uh, two, you had the Bengals. Yikes. Three, I had the Bengals. Yikes. Four, we both had the Chargers. Yikes. Uh, six, I had the Bills. Um, Seven, we both had the Vikings, and you had the Bills there. Eight, I had the Jets. Nine, you had the Jets, and the Gi- I had the Giants there. And then, of course, ten, you had the Giants. What, what are your takeaways from this? I think we, we were both right, I think. Panicking about the New York teams, obviously. Yep. Different scenarios. At this point, Daniel Jones was not hurt yet, but still. Mm-hmm. He, I think he was this not was great. this was uh after the Cowboys had like a little oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I've, that was after week one. So mm-hmm. um we were right to panic about the New York teams. I mean, I still the Vikings at seven, that was pretty good. I mean, a great yeah. we couldn't have predicted Kirk Cousins' injury, True. but still they completely fizzled out. The Bills not great. They kind of came back and, uh, you know, they obviously were the two seed. Yeah. Um, and then the Chargers, obviously, granted, again, Justin Herbert's injury, but they were terrible even with Justin yeah. Herbert. Fired their coach, completely tore it down. GM mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. Yep. So that was bad. And then, of Bengals, course, Bengals we was can... also not great. I, I do remember, though, with the Bills, uh, we did mention the lack of a running game being a huge concern. And turns out that that was a big concern the yeah. entire season. Yep. Yep. And the the lack of a running back because their running game has turned into Josh Allen bulldozing people. Uh-huh. Um and yeah, James Cook had the game against Dallas where he looked like he was gonna be incredible and then just kind of silent since. So Yeah. Now this this is where it gets a little tough. He didn't do awful on the excitement uh and panic meters, but let's take a look at our quarterback tiers. Oh. So F we started with Carson Wentz. Okay. Not off. D tough. 
we had Anthony. So from bottom, I'm working bottom to top. We had Anthony Richardson. Again, don't really know. Tough to judge that one. Tough to judge. Uh, Trey Lance, Sam Howell, Davis Mills, Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke, who is now in the UFL. Oh boy. Uh, Bryce Young, who probably had one of the worst rookie years we've seen in a very long time. Certainly for number one overall. CJ Stroud, who is should be in the MVP. Yeah. Then we have uh, oh my gosh, Darnold. Sam Darnold. Uh-huh. Mac Jones. Uh-huh. Andy Dalton. And Jordan Love. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Love and CJ Stroud in the same tier as Mac Jones, Taylor Heineke, Trey Lance. That's not that's not good work from us. Um, I mean, obviously, in our defense, this was before the season started. True. So and a lot, of, a lot of these young guys. Preseason, CJ Stroud looked like shit. He did look like crap. So, uh, but yeah, that's obviously. That's not great. That's not great at all. I will defend, however, the Andy Dalton take. He started one <laughs> one game this year and slung the damn rock, and they almost beat the Seahawks. He had yeah. like 450 yards or something, um, obviously playing behind uh, Bryce Young. Wanted to get him as many yeah. snaps as possible. But yep. the, just just the simple fact that C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love in the same tier yep. as Mac Jones, Taylor Heineke, uh, Trey and, Lance, and Trey Lance yeah. is, is a little. Um, and Davis Mills, Davis Not Mills, of course. <laughs> C.J. Stroud in the same tier as Davis Mills. Oh, man. that's brutal. Oh. I do remember placing an emphasis on the fact we haven't seen him, yep. so it's hard same. to, but. Moving on to C, at the bottom of the C tier, we have Brock Purdy. So, Brock Purdy and Jordan Love next to each other. Brock Purdy remains to be the most difficult quarterback to judge in the NFL. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, Kenny Pickett, Baker, Jimmy G, Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Mr. Unlimited. David Carr and Tua. I mean, looking at this, to me, the miss is, I mean, Derek Carr, Kenny Pickett, Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, and Jimmy G, like in the same as Tua, Russ, Baker. Yeah. Like, even Purdy. Even Purdy. Yeah. And and Purdy was at the bottom of this year. Oof. Not great. Oof, not great. Um, not yeah, great. not not great. Not great. Moving on to the B tier, we have Kyler Murray. I think I think that's a decent spot. Yeah, look, I would just say before you say them all. Looking at this, I think we have two misses in here. I think we have two misses. Dak, Kirko, Goff. Matthew Stafford, Lamar, and Trevor Lawrence. What are the two misses? I think the two last ones you said, Lamar goes up to A, and Lawrence goes down to C after this. Agreed. I think those are only misses. I I I like the rest of the body of that yeah of that group. Uh, you know your your Kirk Cousins, your Matt Staffords, your Jared Goffs, your Dax, and your Kylers. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, Lamar. Not 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 great. Not yeah. great by us. Uh, I, and Jared Goff, I could see bumping up today yeah, as well. That too. That too. Uh but yeah, Lawrence disaster of a season for Lawrence. Yeah, yeah not great. Not, and he's at the top of the yeah, tier. Yeah. And moving on to A, we have Justin Herbert. Obviously, injury kind of derailed his season. Speaking of derailing season, we saw this dude only four throw like once, and that was Aaron Rodgers. Jalen Hurts, who a tale of two seasons. <laughs> yeah, not great. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, obviously Joe Burrow, affected by uh, injury as well. So, three of our five quarterbacks in Tier A, we didn't really get a good perspective on their season due to injury. But yeah, I mean, not the- having Josh Allen's as yeah, yeah, and this cat. I mean, I. Josh Allen would be the top of this yep. after what we've seen this year. 
Uh, Jalen Hurts, I'm thinking, I'm thinking he's on the demotion list. Yep. Uh, I I love Justin Herbert. I think he might be on the demotion list as yep. well. Top of B. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm still good keeping Aaron Rodgers in A. Yeah. I still think, I mean, still think he can play. We didn't see anything from him <laughs> this year. Literally nothing. Uh, so I'm good keeping him in A. But yeah, Hurts and Hurts and Herbert, I think you're going to go down for. And then, I think we nailed this one. Yeah. One for one. Yes. Patrick Mahomes. I think we did nail that. Patrick Mahomes tier. Yes. Nail. I like it. I like that. Let's go. Who else doing that? No. Oh. Let's go. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Yeah. Not in tier list, but you know. So that was our tier list. Not again, not great. Not great stuff. Let, great let's stuff. just keep the bad train going. Let's go to our midseason takeaways. This was back on episode 108. My first takeaway was Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's relationship is the worst thing to happen in the NFL. I stand by that. <laughs> he stands I by stand it. stand by it. Come at me, Swifties. Shout out to uh, Jason for kind of taking the, the uh, spotlight away. But I will say, I really don't think it has anything to do with Taylor Swift. I think this is more on the NFL. Yeah, like if she, if she was at games and the announcers were like Taylor Swift's here and they pan the camera to her, we're, we're like all what? fine. Yeah, we're all fine. But it's, it's after every single thing. It's it's Taylor Swift being the header of the NFL. It's them yep. saying Chiefs are two and zero since the uh, Swifties joined. Like, yeah, shut up, shut up. Yeah, and however, f- real quick, it is worth noting that if like all of that is super annoying, if you get mad at Taylor Swift. Swag surfing, going like this. Oh, that was clean with Donna Kelsey. Something's wrong with you. If you, get if you just get mad at the fact that she's having no, fun, that was late. Like this, that was late. Something is wrong with you. Uh, however, just the just the constant bombardment from the NFL social media is. I agree. That's where it's just like mm-hmm. ah, yeah. Your first takeaway was the importance of backup quarterbacks. I stand by that one. <laughs> I stand by that one. Yeah, that that. We probably haven't seen the importance of backup quarterbacks as much as we had this year. Joe Burrow going down. Kirk Cousins going down. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers going down. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert going down. Uh, I mean, even, like, on a completely different level, like, why did Nate o- Aiden O'Connell play the end of the year? Because Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. Yeah. Then the Raiders decided to go into full tank and didn't mm-hmm. want to give Jimmy G the job back, so... That was yeah. a pack of quarterback playing majority of the of the year. Um, yeah, in, I mean Ryan Tannehill, he got injured. That's why they went Will to Will Levis. Levis yeah, Will Levis Holy kind of took crap. that job by the horn. So team yeah. after team having injuries to their wow. to their quarterback. Yeah, that that I didn't realize how many. Um, for me, uh, my second one was there's no clear best team this year. I think at times there was, but as the season came to an end, we had no idea. Yeah, I mean, I think your statement is correct. There's no clear best team. I think there's a clear two best teams. Yeah. It it, kind of separated themselves with the Niners and the Ravens. Uh, But, I mean, looking at them, I I always thought the Niners were the best team. And when the two teams faced off, Ravens beat the crap out of them. them. So, yeah, I I think that is a fair statement. Yes. Yeah. Your second takeaway Get the damn ball to your best receivers. Boy, was that important. Look what happened. Stand by that one. Stephon Diggs didn't get the ball. They lost. That's no, crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. Um, CeeDee Lamb didn't okay. get it. Okay. <laughs> but if you remember, it's true. If you remember <laughs> that this, this conversation was sparked from CeeDee Lamb Sam saying that, like, not getting the he ball. didn't get the ball. And also was uh, Jamar Chase. Remember? It was like, yeah. It's a, I'm always bleeping open. Yeah. They were talking about it. AJ Brown's another one. AJ Brown was another one who didn't didn't get the ball, and then did like diva wide receivers. You know, we all love yeah. a good diva wide receiver, but seriously, they're your damn best wide receivers for a goddamn reason. Get them the football. Teams that do that win. Yeah. Um. My next one was stop overlooking Miles Garrett. Um. Believe it or not, he he is one of the best defensive players still. Uh, kind of single-handedly carried uh, carried the Browns to their record. They did playoff bound. Um, obviously yeah. Joe Flacco came aboard, but 
it was you know, definitely a lead. The unfortunate miles. scenario here. He did get injured and kind of seemed to to yep. play seemed to taper off a little bit. I mean, a red hot start to the season. Didn't finish as strongly again. That injury yeah. having a lot to do with it. For sure. Uh, and when he started to not play as well as when that Browns defense started to look more vulnerable. Yeah. No uh, coincidence there that that Miles Garrett is the catalyst of that defense. But yeah, I mean, if he stayed healthy all year long, I think he's the clear defensive player of the year now of course there are some conversations he still might win it to be honest. yeah but now there's a little bit more of a conversation yeah and this is where it kind of goes through. <laughs> here third one we were wrong to overlook the equals we were so right to overlook. <laughs> i mean the these brothers just forgot <laughs> how to play football that was a i i that was the the most insane collapse i've ever seen people are talking about Oh, when they were ten and one, um, did anyone really think they looked like a ten and one team? As McNeese State wins on a last second that was, sick. That was really that was cool. Sick. <laughs> that was really cool. But um, a lot of people talking. Oh, when they were ten and one, did they look like a ten and one team? Uh, and I think saying no to that is fair because they did yeah. look more vulnerable than they did last year. But in that ten and one start, they beat the Chiefs. Yeah, remember, granted. Chiefs had a rough start, but they beat him in Kansas City mm-hmm. uh, in a hard-fought Monday night game. Um, they were they they had beaten the Cowboys up to that point. Yeah, uh, like they had a, they had a decent strength of schedule, decent strength to win, uh, and then they just completely fell off. Lost to the Giants. Lost obviously in the the Buccaneers. Lost to who else did they lose to? Uh, uh, they lost to the Seahawks. They lost to uh, the Cowboys. Cowboys. Uh, they lost to, uh, the, I mean, the Jets was their one loss up to this yeah. point, but uh, some really bad losses in there. Absolutely. They look absolutely terrible. Um, yeah, one of the craziest second half collapses I've ever seen. Yeah, my next one, CJ Shroud should win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think that's a good take. I think he will win it, but I think another dude that is just as deserving. Puka Nakua. Yeah, he was really good too. Dog. Uh, un- unfortunately, he doesn't play quarterback. Um, your next one, another tough take here. Uh, may have jumped the gun on Russell Wilson. You know, I think I don't think this one was as bad as, as bad. It may look now because of what I mean. I again, the way he was benched. Some shysty play, I think, within the uh, Broncos oh, organization. Oh, 100%. Uh, you know my thoughts on that jackass. Uh, I can't even think of his name right Sean now. Payton. Sean Payton. That yeah. human spawn of Satan. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that MFR. I think he deserves the worst in life. And uh, But Russell Wilson, play, I think, played pretty good football this year. He led a Broncos team that was, <laughs> you know, vying for first overall draft pick a year ago to a spot where they were vying for a playoff spot this mm-hmm. year. Of course, at one point they were the red, most red hot team in, in the NFL. Uh, and he, one, one of the main reasons why of course was Russell Wilson. So I don't, I might stand by this one here that we may have jumped the gun on Russell Wilson. The dudes can still play, uh, but didn't end as great as it yeah. should have with, with the whole scenario, him getting benched. 100%. Uh, my last one is look at what happens when you give Lamar Jackson some receivers. And also throw in there a damn good offensive coordinator, Todd yeah. Munkin, coming from Georgia. He was their Georgia yeah. offensive coordinator. Comes in, starts calling plays for uh, for Lamar. Holy shnikes! There's the new, the the new coordinator, the new weapons, Dick Flowers. I mean, all this was without Mark Andrews for most of the year. Yeah, he's now back for this run. Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman's coming along. Like the offense looks completely different. And uh, who they just signed today? Uh, oh yeah, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz. Talk about. Or was three. that? That might have been the Lions. Actually. That was the Lions. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Um. And your last one. Jordan Love is not a future Hall of Famer. Yikes. Uh. Like obviously, you know, it's hard to anoint him a future Hall of Famer at this point. But obviously, the point I was saying that Jordan Love might not be the guy. That's wrong. I think, again, I'm not sure he's going to be a Joe Burrow, Josh Allen type in this league. Yeah. But at the very least, he can operate a schematically sound offense. I mean, Matt LaFleur's offense is very complex. Very, Like I said, it's schematically sound. It's, it takes 
intelligence. It takes skill to yeah. run, and he can do so at a very high level. Get him some wide receivers that are not who, yeah, <laughs> that are not the human embodiment of who. And uh, and I mean, yeah, this team will look a lot better, I think. Um, but yeah, bad take, bad take. It looks like he's going to be a pretty damn good quarterback in the NFL for a decent amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so those were kind of our takes on the NFL season. Some good, some not so good, some out right abysmal. That that leads us into this weekend again, AFC NFC championship. That's all the football we have. We do have a question comes from Annie Riley. She wants to know what are your thoughts on the recent buzz that Taylor Swift should get a championship ring if the Chiefs win? <laughs> well, listen here. I think I think if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, Taylor Swift will get a ring. It will not be a championship ring. Oh, you think? It will I... be an engagement ring. You think? Travis Kelsey. That's interesting. So she might get a ring, but it might not be. A, it's not going to be a championship ring, no. obviously. FanDuel knew exactly what it what it was doing, oh, tweeting 100%. that completely baiting out the engagements, the responses, the retweets, the 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 shares, yeah. all that stuff. Um, <laughs> she's obviously not going to get a championship ring, uh, but an engagement ring now man, that might be a totally different scenario. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think she deserves a championship ring, uh, but like I've seen teams give super fans rings before so would not shock yeah. me like if, if if they do it it will not shock no, like no absolutely yeah. not but that that's kind of our thoughts on it but tanner a little quick episode today but that wraps it up for episode 116 of crunch time with the n three two six duo thank you so much for listening to the entire pod um that will wrap it up for episode 116. You can follow the podcast on X, Instagram, and X, Instagram, and TikTok. Oh, I got there. <laughs> the X threw me off, but you can follow all of those on at crunchtime underscore pod. Also, comment, like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Crunchtime with the N326 Duo. But the clock has run out on this one, and we'll see you on the next one on Crunch Time. I'll see you.